Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Special edition of Take Command. Craig Hoffman with you. Actually recording this intro on Radio Row at the Combine in Indianapolis, which is pretty neat. Uh, Waiting on my guy Robert Mace. Uh, You'll hear that interview tomorrow, uh, or I guess Friday, depending on when you're listening to this, on the Hoffman Show. Uh, However, the matter at hand today, why we are releasing this special episode, a collection of my interviews from Tuesday with Don Van Nata, who wrote the bombshell story for ESPN, and Dan Lust, who can provide a legal perspective for us on just how much legal hot water Dan Snyder might be in and how this changes the dynamic of a potential sale. So no more extra long, bloviated setup. Uh, many opinions on it are out there for me. Uh, to check out the Hoffman Show podcast on Tuesday. We'll continue to talk about this as it develops here as well on the podcast. But for now, a special edition of Take Command. Here is my chat with Don Van Notto, followed up by chat with Dan Lust, sports law expert and law professor up in New York City. Don Van Notto with us, senior investigative reporter for ESPN, the man who you never want to hear is writing a story about you. Uh, that is who is with us now on the Hoffman Show. Dan Snyder's had the great pleasure of having that happen to him now. What are we at, three, four of these things, Don, over the last year and a half or so? And uh, we've been nice enough to join us after each and every one of them. And, and this one, man, this one seems like, you know, for all the things that have happened for Dan, this one to me seems the most serious because we're talking about potential financial crimes and, and real actual crimes. You're not potential civil litigation, federal investigators. And as one source says to you in the story, these are jail time kind of crimes. When did this first get on your radar? And then I'd love to start with kind of a timeline of, of events here, which in some ways works in reverse because the minority partners find some things out in 2020, some other potential revelations in 2019, and it all goes back to this 2018 loan. Yeah, no, that's exactly right, Craig. It's great to be with you again. Uh, I started uh, poking around this right uh, around the time I found out that uh, there was a federal investigation in Virginia. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Virginia uh, opened a criminal investigation after the congressional investigation. There was a referral to justice. We broke the story on November 2nd that that investigation was going on about alleged financial misconduct. What we knew about then, back in November, when we first broke the story, was about the whistleblower allegations of two sets of books. Uh, That's the Jason Friedman, the former executive allegations. And I just started digging and said, well, what else is uh, under investigation there? And it turns out this bank fraud, alleged bank fraud issue, is something that the FBI, the IRS, and federal prosecutors are looking at. There have been grand jury subpoenas. And really, for me as an investigative reporter, the story really came together when I was able to get my hands on a confidential 61-page NFL arbitration petition that was filed by Dan Snyder's three former minority partners that laid out their issues with this bank loan or this this credit line uh, that Snyder got secretly, as well as a whole bunch of other allegations of financial misconduct by Snyder. So the $55 million loan is, is the big one here. Um, there's some others that we'll get into that I actually would love to ask. And, and you know what? I'll just ask you right now. That one seems like concretely very bad for Dan Snyder. Some of the other things that are in here, such as him charging a, an advertising fee to put the team logo on his plane, $4.5 million a year. And the uh, minority owners are like, that's ridiculous. There's no advertising value. That is, is fraudulent. It also seems like the kind of thing that rich people do all the time, the kind of, you know, you're more regular cooking the books within the lines. How, what, what of these things in the story are 
more salacious? And then one of them, which of them do you think the federal prosecutors can be like, that one's, that one's an issue, that one's going to cause problems? Well, one of the things that that 61-page NFL arbitration petition did is it, it really laid out a roadmap for all of the complaints that the minority owners had about the way Dan Snyder was running the team. And the allegations they make is that the team was cash poor and that Snyder, as they put it, was using the team as his personal piggy bank where he was scooping up money that belonged just as much to them. Remember, they own 40% of the team, these three minority partners. It's not 2%, 5%, 40% is how much they own. These are three billionaires. And when they started researching what was happening, they discovered, and first of all, and, I, and this is one of the things that really jumped out at me when I first read the petition, that Snyder was paying himself four and a half million dollars in what he called an advertising fee for putting the team logo on the tail of one of his private jets. And as the partners say in the petition, how much advertising value can you actually get from somebody's private jet sitting on private jetways around the world? That right, zero, zero, exactly. So this zero. is a this is a way they allege that Snyder is creating another way to put team funds in his pocket without any justification. And there's plenty of other examples in the petition that we lay out in the story that's you know now on ESPN. Dot com. He was leasing his plane, his private planes to the team. He claimed when he had a yacht party in 2018 that was attended by Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, and Terry Pagula, the owner of the Bills, that that sh- funds for that, and it looked like it was about a million dollar party, should be paid for by the partners. They had no idea the party was even going on. So these are all laid out. And the other interesting fact I think that's gotten overlooked in the petition and in our story is that the funds, the non-media rights funds that the yeah, team was getting, yeah, had, were, were dropping, were plummeting precipitously from about $220 million in 2009 to only $160 million in 2020. So the partners are making the point of there's less local cash. This is ticket sales. merchandising and all of that than than had been there 11 years earlier. And yet they claim that Snyder's spending was so out of control that that leads us right to this $55 million credit line. And, And the question you have to ask just logically as a journalist or as a reader is, why is Snyder taking out a $55 million credit line without the knowledge of his partners? Right. It's like he has to get their approval, according to the team bylaws, which I have a copy of. He has to get a board approval. There's six members of the board. Three of them are his limited partners. He didn't get board approval to get the loan from Bank of America for fifty five million dollars. He didn't even tell them about it for 16 months. And Craig, they didn't find out about it. The partners until April of 2020 in a footnote, in a financial document, in fine print. That's how they found out. They're 40% on the hook for that money that Dan Snyder took, and they didn't even know what the money was used for. Well, and not only that, Don Van Nata, ESPN, is our guest. Not only that, why did he need it in the first place? So going back to the local revenue, we've heard anecdotally, and like those of us in seats like mine hosting local radio shows in this market for me the last seven years, have have heard about the deterioration of the brand. We've seen it. There's less people that are going to the games. Like we we've seen the deterioration of the brand. So as you, you know, obviously take that number and float it out to some of your NFL sources, how is that compared to other NFL teams? Like are there other teams that have also lost local revenue? Is that a shape of the business changing? More national things are coming in and some are local are getting replaced? Or is this just extreme financial mismanagement, um, both potentially in, intentionally Right. And also some of this, just the fact that Dan has been so toxic and everything that's happened here, the football has been bad as well, that the brand has less value. Well, what I hear from sources around the NFL is the frustration that the commanders used to be this once extremely proud franchise was considered in the top five of all NFL franchises, the great history in Washington, the Super Bowl years and everything else, and that all of that has eroded slowly over time since Dan Snyder bought the team in 1999. And yes, it's dead last, as I understand it, the team in total local revenue in the NFL. And, you know, we had that allegation from Jason Friedman as well, Craig, that there were two sets of books. 
Now, why are two sets of books created if what Friedman is saying is true? And this is another matter of investigation, as I understand it, for the prosecutors in the Eastern District of Virginia. Why do you have to do that? Why are you showing your fellow partners one set of books and then over here there's another set of books? That's another issue. And so, no, the the, the valuations of NFL franchises continue to spiral upward because they have fixed, relatively fixed labor costs. And also the local revenues for all of these franchises are going in the right direction when they've gone in the wrong direction in Washington under Snyder's leadership. Oh, that's incredible. All right. In terms of the litigation side of this, uh, there's potential, obviously, if there's federal investigations, that is a criminal matter. Uh, Is there any civil litigation potentially here as well, specific to the minority owners? Because one other thing you mentioned in in the story is the math of what they sold their 40% stake for versus what 40% would be if this team goes for $7 billion. There's a $2 billion difference. And those are three very rich men who aren't exactly probably needing to count pennies. But $2 billion is very different. And so is there potential civil litigation here if the league... And Snyder were to have conspired in any way to push the franchise value down and buy them out for a lesser value than it otherwise would have gotten on the open market. Well, certainly it appeared when the three partners sold a 40% stake for $875 million two years ago. And this was during a mediation, by the way, that was led by Commissioner Roger Goodell and Jeffrey Pash, who's the NFL general counsel. It was a two-day mediation that led to that sale. It looked like a fire sale right now. When you consider that Snyder is looking to sell for seven billion dollars and to your point, Craig, that the 40 percent stake is now worth two point eight billion dollars. So two billion dollar difference, even for billionaires, that will get their attention. Um, But I don't believe there can be civil litigation. I believe that when this agreement was made, where the partners decided to take the eight hundred and seventy five million dollars, they decided, okay, there'll be no lawsuits you know, we're, we're, we're agreeing to this. And so I don't think we'll see anything on the civil side. It's, it's more now the action, as I say, is with the grand jury and with the investigation in the Eastern District of Virginia uh, of how they're going to look in particular at this $55 million credit line and exactly how it was obtained by Dan Snyder without his partner's knowledge uh, or approval. Yeah. And so I guess the the last thing I'll ask on that front, and this could be, I guess, under a civil or criminal bucket. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. But if that number was agreed to fraudulently because of another set of books, because of because because as you lay out really well in the story, and again, Don Van Nata is our guest. The story's on ESPN.com. If you want to get into all of this, I'd recommend not only, of course, reading it, but the ESPN Daily episode that he did with Sam Borden this morning is also fantastic. Um, but we'll try to obviously get to as much as we can here. The three minority partners were entitled to arbitration. And the second that things got hairy, the NFL was like, eh, we, we should go over here and do a mediation session. As you said, all of a sudden, two days of mediation later, they're selling at this number. If that was all done in some kind of fraudulent manner, because as we'll get to, I guess now, Roger Goodell was in on this loan as well. Roger Goodell's signature is on this $55 million loan application that is ultimately granted by Bank of America. So if the league is in cahoots knowingly or they stumbled bass backwards into it, like it seems to me like that would be a huge problem. And if I was those minority partners, I would be circling back around in any way that I possibly could. Well, that's a question for them. And I, I did not interview them for the story, Craig, sure. and, and and their lawyers didn't return. Uh, I was say, not, my, despite your best emails. efforts, didn't get this, a chance to. <laughs> right. No, no. But that's a that's a question for them. But let's let's talk about the NFL's role here, because it's right. very, very important. And, and you're right to point out that Roger Goodell's signature is on the loan application that was made by Dan Snyder without the knowledge of Snyder's partners. He approved it. This is December 13th, 2018, when the $55 million credit line was approved by Bank of America. Now, it gets a little deep in the weeds, so I want to try to keep it simple. But to get a loan, and anybody who's gotten a mortgage knows this, you got to get all your documents together. And one of the documents the bank required to approve the $55 million credit line is a resolution, a piece of paper that swears that the board of directors of the team agreed that the $55 million credit line application would be made. But none was ever given to the bank, as far as we know, because, of course, the board never approved it. So the question that the partners had during the arbitration two years later is they wanted the NFL arbitrator to put together a summons to Bank of America to ask for whatever documentation there was 
in case there was a fraudulent document. Somebody possibly they suspected had created a fraudulent document for the bank saying that the partners agreed right to, to this $55 right. million dollar credit line application. Because otherwise it shouldn't have gone through. That's what you would think, unless Bank of America allowed it to go through without it. But even three weeks after the loan closed, Bank of America is still asking executives and lawyers at the commanders, hey, we need that board resolution. You got to provide it to us. And there and there are some other documents that we have that's in the story. Again, I want to get too deep in the weeds that say that some people with the team said that one existed. Yet other lawyers said one didn't exist. So this is the partners asking the NFL as part of arbitration, please investigate this alleged bank fraud by Dan Snyder. So they asked for the arbitrator, the NFL arbitrator, to get a summons to go to Bank of America, find out if there's a document. Four days later, the arbitrator says, you know what? Nothing to see here. We're not going to look into this any further. We're going to take it to mediation. And there was never an answer to the question that the partners had in the arbitration petition of what actually happened. And so it looks as if the NFL, as you pointed out, Craig, Goodell approved this loan, had zero interest. And I had a source tell me the NFL didn't want to know whether the bank loan was obtained correctly by Dan Snyder or not. They quickly moved to mediation. And within a few months, the partners were bought out and no one would have ever known about this if it wasn't for the criminal investigation now ongoing in the Eastern District of Virginia. Uh, so the thing about the feds is uh, intent doesn't really matter for them. And so is Goodell potentially in some kind of legal trouble here? Like if his signature is on that loan and it was achieved or you know, granted uh, fraudulently, like he's on the hook, wouldn't he? Or wouldn't he be? <laughs> I, I don't know the answer to that. So I, I will say this. I asked the NFL a very simple question. Have you received a subpoena from the grand jury investigating this matter? And they declined to comment. They wouldn't tell me one way or the other whether they had received a subpoena. I don't know how far the prosecutors and the FBI agents are going to go in looking into this. I know right now, Craig, that their investigation is focused on the commanders and on Dan Snyder. And I know that there has been a subpoena that has obtained that NFL arbitration petition, which I have a copy of. The prosecutors have that. They have other uh, documentation in support of that. uh, And they're looking into this. But that's as far as I know what they're doing right now. Whether it leads to Goodell down the road, I really don't know the answer to that question at this point. That that tracks. And it's also the kind of thing where like, hey, if you're for your cooperation, we'll look the other way. Like these are the kinds of things that happen in these investigations because he's not really the point. But this is the first time I've read something and gone, man, Goodell could be in real trouble here. But I guess I it also in some level is part of his job. Like his job is to take the bullets for the owners. So do you think other owners see this as a good thing or a bad thing? Well, that's a great question. So I have asked uh, owners, um, you know, I've got good sources among NFL owners and NFL executives. You don't say. (laughs) No, but I've asked them. And you know what? There's a mixed, there's sort of a mixed response. There's some owners who I think are more pro Goodell who sort of say, well, that's part of the job description, right? Is to, even if it's somebody as unseemly as Dan Snyder, and these are people who are not necessarily fans of Snyder, but they defend Goodell and say that's part of his job. But there's others who are more anti-Goodell that are quite alarmed by this and have said to me they're concerned about it. Uh, and, you know, particularly by the fact that they didn't know about it. I mean, they, you know, this was all done at the league office level. Uh, and, and But I, I really want to be clear about something, Craig, that's important about the timeline. So remember, this occurs in January of 2021. This is when the partner's lawyers ask for the NFL arbitrator to go to Bank of America, get to the bottom of this loan, and then the NFL arbitrator gets shut down, and it goes to mediation led by Goodell and Pash. This is in January of 2021. At that time, Beth Wilkinson is investigating Snyder for the sexual misconduct allegations against him and about the toxic workplace investigation. And we know how that turned out. That summer, there was no report, right, much to the anger and chagrin of the uh, former, uh, you know, the former cheerleaders and the former employees who came forward very courageously with what they had to say. And there was a $10 million fine. Snyder stepped away for the team uh, from the team for a number of months. At the same time, there's these very serious allegations of financial misconduct being made against Snyder and the NFL doesn't do anything with them. So you have 
two separate tracks, two investigations. One is there's no final report on Wilkinson and on the allegations made by the partners. The NFL doesn't pursue those either. So make of that what you will of, you know, why the NFL and Roger Goodell were not aggressively going after Snyder on either front. Yeah, that is a great setup to what will ultimately be my final question. I would love to squeeze in two more if we can in our remaining time. Don Van Nata, ESPN, is our guest here on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Um, I, this is going to be a bit of a hypothetical, uh, but I, your best guess is, is the best guess that I can, I can ask anyone for. How does this affect the sale, um, considering every potential buyer uh, is now looking at this going, man, the finances are messier than I thought. Like there, there've been all these rumors. This seems like the most solid thing to have come out yet. You have all these documents that you've laid out beautifully over the last 20 ish minutes with me. And and obviously in much more detail in the story, but if I'm Josh Harris or Jeff Bezos or, you know, whoever else might be on this team, I'm going to want to see every possible nook and cranny of the finances how does this ultimately affect the sale of the team, presuming that Dan is going to go through with it? Well, it really depends on a very simple question. Are the books being opened up by Dan Snyder to any potential buyer? Because one of the things we found out from the arbitration petition is Fred Smith back in 2018, he wanted to sell his 10% of the team to a guy named Alan Kestenbaum, very wealthy guy from Canada. And Snyder said, no, 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 the NFL will never approve Kestenbaum. You can't sell to him. And Smith was quite upset about that. The reason why Snyder said he didn't think that uh, that the NFL wouldn't accept him, he just said he's not going to be accepted. You know, don't go forward with that. Now, a year later, Kestenbaum was accepted by the NFL into the club. He bought into the Atlanta Falcons. And Fred Smith and the other limited partners allege in the arbitration petition it's because Snyder didn't want to open his books because of this alleged financial misconduct. That's why he said to, to Fred Smith, you can't sell. Fast forward to now to answer your question, Craig, in a very long way. My question, and I don't know the answer to this, is are the books being open to any potential buyer? You would think they would have to be for a 6 to $7 billion purchase. But our story lays out all of these issues that were alleged to be, have been occurring when Dan Snyder uh, was not getting permission from his own limited partners, for instance, to take out a loan and all these other allegations that we laid out today. I would think that any buyer, whether it's Bezos or anybody else, is going to look at very deeply at the books. Now, whether or not that's already been going on, I don't know the answer to that question, but, um, but it certainly could affect the sales price uh, with whatever they find out, whatever any potential buyer or bidder finds out in doing that due diligence. And then I guess this is my final question, and we can, we can talk about this one, flush it out a little bit, but like, why, why do they do all this, they being the NFL? Like, why did they get in bed with him in the first place? Like, obviously, he bought the team. They didn't realize how bad it was going to be. But at so many points along this timeline, if they had just enforced their own rules, he would have been gone a long time ago, and they wouldn't have, or, you know, they wouldn't have financial crimes on their hands, or they wouldn't have the egg on their face of the misconduct. Like, there's just so many points where there were exit ramps for the NFL, and they kept on driving. I, I, that's the one thing in this entire story, Don, I cannot for the life of me understand is why. Yeah, that's the most baffling part of this. In our story in October that we broke, uh, I did it with my colleagues, Seth Wickersham and Tisha mm-hmm. Thompson. We had that reporting that Snyder was telling people that he had gathered dirt, not only on his fellow NFL owners, but also on Commissioner Roger Goodell. He said the NFL is a mafia, and he said he would bring people down if he was ever cornered and forced to sell his team. Now, I'm not suggesting he has dirt necessarily on Goodell, and this is what motivated it, but this is what we reported in October. And I should say that Snyder's lawyers adamantly denied that this is true, but that's what our sources told us, very, very good sources, who heard it directly, by the way, from Snyder. This was even including an owner. So that's one question that I have is, was there a motive in that realm that that led the league to do what it did? Or is it more simple that no matter what your alleged crimes are or your alleged misconduct is, whether it's sexual misconduct, whether it's financial misconduct, the league is always going to stand up for you if you're a majority owner. Doesn't matter if you're minority partners own 40% of the team, are billionaires. One of them is Fred Smith, 
you know, a highly regarded co-founder of, of FedEx. Doesn't matter who you are if you make allegations against a majority partner, the league is going to just reflexively stand in unison with that particular person. Now, now we're seeing they don't want to do it anymore. Now there's a federal criminal investigation. Mary Jo White is still investigating her issues, including financial misconduct and sexual misconduct by Snyder. That report, I'm told, is going to be coming soon. And so I don't know. It's the question that is is baffling, Craig. And, uh, you know, we're, we're as reporters, all we can do is just dig up uh, as much information, as much truth as we can and get it out there and, and, and let and let readers and and fans decide. Yeah. Oh, man. What a what a day. Um, yeah. You're, by the way, first time I've heard that, that someone feels like there's an actual timeline in the Mary Jo White report that it's actually coming. So that is certainly exciting news uh, because we've been waiting for some kind of public accountability and frankly, for more information. Um, and, and, and also to that point, Greg, this is important. The NFL has insisted that the Mary Jo White report is going to come out. It's going to be made public. Unlike the Beth Wilkinson investigation, which was just a summary was delivered orally. You know, as you know, there was a lot of expectations that there was going to be a report there and there was not because they the, said there was going to be because they, they said there was right. going to be exactly. That's, they, 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 like they were the expectation. The expectation was there because they, they said it was going to be that way. And then it wasn't, uh, but they've, insisted the NFL has insisted that the Mary Jo White report is going to come out now I wanted to ask Roger Goodell at the press conference in in Phoenix I was there uh had my hand up didn't get called on uh, to ask to, yeah right <laughs> surprise surprise but to ask this very simple question of, of Roger if Dan Snyder sells the team before Mary Jo White's report is completed will the NFL still release the Mary Jo White report because there's been some suspicion that that's being used the report to make sure Snyder sells the team. I didn't get a chance to ask that question. I've asked Brian McCarthy, the spokesman, for an answer to that. Still haven't gotten it. But my understanding is the report is coming soon. I've had uh, a couple of sources tell me that. And so let's see what the NFL does with that. That is definitely interesting. I'm also curious to see if, if some of this financial stuff comes to light. If that, you know, they actually, I'll just ask you this real quick. Is there a mechanism to remove him without letting him sell? Or is he always going to get paid on the, on the way out? Uh, there is a mechanism to to remove him, but I, I, I would be very, very surprised if yeah. the owners do that. I don't think they want to set that precedent, but there is a mechanism to force him to sell. Uh, and, and that could happen. I mean, they need three fourths of the owners, 24 of the 32. Uh, that might be hard to get there uh, on that again, because this is a precedent, right? It, it would be completely right. unprecedented. And, you know, NFL owners are probably wondering themselves, we do this and hey, maybe, you know, the wagon can come around for me on this in the future. Right? right. And so, but, but no, but they've lost patience with them. There's no question about that. We saw that in the run up to our story last October. Uh, I mean, they want to be rid of him, uh, not just many of the owners, um, but I think also in the league office, including Commissioner Goodell. I mean, you know, they've lost patience. And, and look, headlines like the one we did today are not good for the league. They're embarrassing for the league. They're embarrassing for other owners. And they want to move on. If only they had gotten off one of those exit ramps. Don Van Nata, <laughs> ESPN senior investigative reporter. Uh, always a pleasure, sir. Phenomenal work. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Craig. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. And joining us now is Dan Lust, who is a legal analyst, has a great podcast that is worth your time as well. I know, uh, Dan, on your podcast, you guys also got the chance to talk 
to DVN as well. Uh, appreciate your time, man. Uh, welcome to the show for the first time. Uh, my absolute pleasure. We're actually speaking to Don tonight. So okay. Don's doing his little media tour. I'm doing a media tour. We're going to get all the best questions. Yeah, take that. True, true. <laughs> we're we're going to kind of consolidate all these great questions that, uh, you know, that you guys are asking. And we're going to try to, um, you know, dive a little bit deeper, pull a little bit more scabs off over here. Yeah. Well, so there's some of the questions that I asked Don that he didn't know the answer to because while Don is the preeminent sports investigative reporter in the business, he is not a lawyer. You have that uh, fine title. Uh, you went to law school. So now I was like, I need someone who can answer my my legal questions, which start with how much legal hot water is Dan Snyder in here? Like a $55 million, uh, you know, fraudulently obtained loan seems like a big deal. Uh, cooking the books in terms of advertising uh, or charging an advertising fee and, you know, kind of doing that in a fraudulent way that just is a, an excuse to move the company's money to your own personal finances seems like a big deal. That also tends to explain to me why the IRS is involved in this, because if there was personal income uh, that wasn't wasn't declared, they're going to want their cut. So how much hot water is Dan Snyder in based off this reporting? You know, it's it's tough to say. And I guess Don and I will do a little bit of a shake and bake action here. It's Don's reporting here is that the $55 million quote-unquote secret loan is they I think he said is a primary focus of the federal prosecutors, not the primary focus. So there have certainly been people on social media that say, well, how is a secret loan? You know, isn't, you know, isn't that maybe a private cause of action between the minority shareholders and Snyder? Yeah, that's probably most likely what it is. But let's remember that the federal prosecutors didn't really get on the scent of this case. At least we didn't know that they were investigating it really until these reports of, um, you know, these cooking the books allegations came out, these, uh, you know, security deposits that were being taken from taken from fans, right? This might just be another piece of the pie here. So it, it's not necessarily that this alone is a criminal act. I could probably... You know, in a, in just a quick hypothetical, explain to you why I think this could be some type of criminal act, maybe some type of tax fraud. Um, but the feds could be involved for a, for a number of reasons here. But I guess for for our particular purpose, right? Um, Don has some interesting, you know, uh, you know, and again, Don's story is well sourced. We know that Dan Snyder is very quick on the trigger for defamation, so Don's not putting this stuff out there unless right. it's very well sourced. And ESPN right? has a very thorough legal department that would not allow him to get himself in that kind of trouble. They certainly do, right? And and I and I will point out, like. Don's story essentially says that Snyder is using this as a as the team as kind of his own personal piggy bank, that team expenses are being tied to yachts and uh, cars and this and that. Right. That seems to tie into our previous allegations that we knew about that or that we at least heard about that they are, um, you know, that money is being misappropriated within the organization and that it is in some sense harming consumers. So um, I think you got to kind of read this all together with the stories We've been hearing now almost, Craig, what is it, like two and a half years into the saga? Yeah, July 2020, uh, but who's counting? Um, so the other question <laughs> I had that Dom was like, I, I don't know uh, on that one that I was very excited to ask you is, uh, so long wind up here, but obviously the minority shareholders were forced to, essentially, based off Dom's reporting, into this mediation hearing where they sell their 40% stake in the team for $875 million. If the team gets a $7 billion valuation, which is certainly not guaranteed, but that's the number Don used in his story uh, for this hypothetical, and it, it makes it for easy math, so I will use it as well. If it's $7 billion, 40% is about $2.8 billion. That is a $2 billion difference between what the 40% stake went for and what a 40% stake would go for basically a year later when this team is ultimately sold in full from Dan Snyder. Because of the nature of the arbitration being shut down and going to this very quick mediation and allegations of financial fraud, do these minority investors have any potential civil litigation to circle back around and say like, hey, our price was not the right price. We got forced into this and we were led astray by fraudulent bookkeeping. So is there any potential civil litigation here or do they just give up all rights to that when they go through that mediation and, and sign on the dotted line? So I can't answer this question with at least uh, inform people with what's going on, right? So I'll teach you guys one legal concept that I have not discussed on any other shows. It's this concept called a tail. When you sell an asset, right, uh, let's say it's a private business, um, you could say like, listen, I don't know if I necessarily trust this valuation. Let's just say if you sell this at a different valuation in the next X amount of years, let's call it five years, 
I'm entitled to the difference of what it would have been. So you can put something like that as a tail in a type of contract. I have no idea if they did that with respect to this type of sale. Um, but what I will tell you with some degree of confidence that is likely in this purchase and sale agreement, whatever, whatever they wanted to call it, um, is something that's called a release that says, if I sell you this team, you agree to kind of release me of any and all potential liabilities. So it's basically a way of saying like, uh, Dan, we're not going to sue you. You don't sue us. We'll just call it a day. Let's uh, let's break some bread over this $875 million. Let's all go our separate ways. Don't worry, we won't sue you. Now, those releases, um, Craig, to your point, like I, I'd be looking a little bit closely at that release. If I got $875 million for a 40% stake, there's three minority partners involved. And then fast forward to Don's point in his article, right? Uh, you're kind of shortchanging yourself of, I don't know, like $2 billion, right? Right around there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, right. So even billionaires are going to get upset by the loss of that amount of money. So there, there's something interesting in the law, right? Even if you sign a release and you sign away your rights to sue someone, if there was fraud involved, that is a way to kind of break that release and allow you to sue. So among a number of angles that we're looking at from legal perspective, right, we're looking at federal prosecutors, you know, the DC uh, attorney general has those consumer protection complaints that the NFL potentially putting them up to a vote. The one that I think has popped up today that is new is kind of like, uh, Craig, are you a wrestling guy? Are you a WWE guy? Uh, I'm not. Not my um, thing. You know, the, you, you know what I'm about to say, though. It's the Undertaker gif. He's sitting up, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the minority shareholders. They're like, not hey. Not a wrestling fan, but I, uh, I, I am someone who exists on the internet. Yeah, hey, listen. Everyone knows who the Undertaker is. Don't, right. don't underestimate the Undertaker <laughs> here. But yes, popping up here, these minority shareholders might be another kind of uh, angle here that we're looking at. So um, I, again, just to, not to go too too deep in the rabbit hole, but you could sign a release to basically say like, "Hey, we're not going to sue you. Don't worry about it. And we're not going to uh, we're going to sign a confidentiality agreement. We won't talk to anybody about this." But the exception to really any confidentiality agreement is if the feds come knocking and they send you a subpoena and they want to talk to you. You have to be able to answer that. So, um, again, I've said it said it before. I'll say it again. I would be very surprised if they are not already talking to those minority um, owners of the team. If they weren't before this, I have a good feeling those those are going to be heard from today at some point. Dan Lust is our guest at Sports Law Lust on Twitter. He is the co-host of the Conduct Detrimental Podcast, also professor at New York Law School and Fordham Law up in New York. So uh, the other guy who, uh, to me, a little light bulb went off of potential legal trouble, not that I think it'll ultimately land anywhere, but, you know, you're the expert, I'm not, is Roger Goodell. Because that same $55 million uh, potentially fraudulently obtained loan that Dan Snyder got from Bank of America had Roger Goodell's signature on it, uh, which seems, seems kind of relevant. What kind of potential legal hot water could Goodell be in and how could his potential cooperation in whatever federal investigation is happening change that equation? I mean, a couple things. Let's let's talk about this Bank of America stuff. Craig, I'm going to assume that you've been going to town on this kind of nerdy Bank of America due diligence stuff today. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. OK, so let's uh, let's uh, I guess we'll, we'll talk just about the, the main piece here. Bank of America is claimed to have knowledge that uh, the board of, uh, I guess the board of directors would be the minority shareholders, did not mm. approve of this $55 million loan. That's why Don's having a lot of fun in the article, calling it a secret $55 million loan because it didn't get the proper approvals. And the people that needed to know about it and approve it didn't. Right. And just, so, to, just to clarify for the audience on the timeline here, uh, for those that haven't been as deep in the weeds as I have, um, even four weeks after this loan was finalized, Bank of America was like, hey, by the way, do you guys have that board of directors note that, that you said that was coming? And different lawyers in the story said, oh, it never actually existed or one does exist. And uh, sources close to Don are wondering uh, or sources told Don that are, have firsthand knowledge of the situation that if there was one that ever was created, it would have had to have been done fraudulently because the board never actually met. It's very interesting, right? There right. seems to be an element of, of bank fraud here that occurred that maybe, right, Bank of America should have been more uh, more on it, that they allowed this uh, kind of deal to close. Maybe they were duped, right, fraudulently. That could kind of make out a potential criminal act that occurred in there. But um, let's go back to your question, right, Roger Goodell. Mm -hmm. Roger Goodell is alleged to have known about this because it was brought up by these minority um, shareholders, I guess, in, a, in an April 2020 discussion. I think that was the arbitration that occurred. So question is, what did Roger Goodell know about? Does Roger Goodell, was was he told separately by Dan Snyder, hey, the board approved of this? I don't think we know that. Um, right. The really question comes down to knowledge, right? If Dan Snyder is duping everyone and saying, hey, the board approved of this, we're all good, no issues here, and Goodell doesn't know any better and he signs off on it, like, did Goodell do anything wrong? Unless it's like, 
you know, it's like uh, Craig, when we were kids, we tried to get a note to get out of, uh, you know, right. get out of some activity and we'd write it in crayon and we pretend like our parents wrote it. Like, right. that's pretty obvious, right? That, um, you know, you didn't get board approval. So, but in this day and age, 2020, 2023, you can dupe those things up, I imagine, pretty easily on a computer, on a Microsoft Word, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we don't we don't know what what potentially was going through Goodell's head, but I, I will say just kind of general footnote, right? Goodell works for the owners. He does not run the NFL. He is an employee of the other 32 NFL owners. Those guys really run the show. So I, I would imagine, right, again, we don't know this, but Goodell's not, uh, you know, when they tell Goodell to jump, he says how high. Goodell is kind of doing whatever the other owners tell him to do. So I, I, I don't think Roger's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. So I would also ask you this. Are there any red flags that go off in your head of some of the conflicts of interest that appear on just a high level? Like I'm a radio host looking at the story and it's like, wow, it's really interesting that Bank of America, the company that's behind this loan, is also the one running the sale for Dan Snyder. You know, obviously, the the Wilkinson report is something that has come up that there was this uh, this agreement between Snyder and Goodell slash the NFL that it was the common interest agreement. And that that you you'd have to be very naive to think that didn't have some kind of influence on uh, how that report ultimately did and did not come out. Um, so are there any red flags that go off in this story for you on any of the cross pollination of the, the parties and players involved? Um, I think there are two, one, one, and then in this kind of same boat, right? Um, Beth Wilkinson was the attorney who first conducted the initial investigation into, uh, into Washington. That's back in 2020. That's the one that didn't do the written report that everyone talks about, you know, and Don had some good reporting that, uh, you know, uh, Beth Wilkinson was originally retained to do a written report. And then, you know, at the end of the day, when she's done with her findings, the NFL is like, hey, hey, just kidding. We don't need a written report. Just tell us orally and no one needs to know about it. Right. Paraphrasing a little bit um, for our purpose of conflict of interest. Beth Wilkinson was initially picked by Dan Snyder to do the investigation. Right. And then at some point, the NFL came in and said, you know, what? we're taking over this investigation. And what they didn't do, which we at the time said they should is, hey, fire the handpicked lawyer that Dan Snyder picked. Why don't you pick any of the other 5 million lawyers in the world and let right. them conduct the investigation, right. right? So, okay, moving on, we have our old report. I think everyone will agree that the Beth Wilkinson report had its flaws. So now we have Mary Jo White. Who retained Mary Jo White, Craig? The NFL. The story that comes out today is that the NFL might have some culpability here. Don is, is not mincing words here. He's saying that there was a cover-up between the NFL um, you know, the NFL arbitrator that people didn't investigate this aspect of, you know, this bank fraud that occurred um, or that is alleged to have occurred back, you know, in, in 2020. So, OK, the NFL is has retained Mary Jo White to perform this do over second investigation. But we just have a story today where it looks like the NFL might have themselves do something, something wrong. So I don't know if necessarily it's a conflict of interest, but if the NFL is paying and commissioning this report, like we had the, the you know the Robert Sarver report with the Phoenix Suns and you know in basketball and different different leagues do reports all the time, like the Chicago Blackhawks had a report, but none of those stories were the it was the NHL or the NBA alleged to have done something wrong, been alleged to have been some type of cover up. So call it a conflict of interest, call it what you want, but now the NFL has been kind of dragged into this, and I think that's their worst fears, that this thing is dragged along for so long, and Snyder's personal demons, his, you know, the Fed's coming after him here, now it's kind of brought in the NFL, so, um, yeah, I mean, the NFL's certainly not going to raise their hand and bring in some, like, independent third, you know, third party to conduct an audit of them. Best we're going to get here, I think, is uh, the NFL's Mary Jo White report. They're not going to, you know, refer themselves out to another entity to get investigated. Yeah, which Dan or uh, Don did say in, in our interview, he kind of snuck in this nugget at the end that he actually thinks that's going to come out soon. So that is that is interesting that that report because we all just figured like, oh, it'll it'll come out after he sells and you know maybe it'll it may won't come out at all. But apparently that's coming soon, and so we'll see. Uh, Dan Lust is our guest legal analyst. Uh, has a great podcast, Conduct Detrimental Podcast. You can check out wherever you get your pods. Um, and, but what you just said also kind of leads to my like big question. And, and I'm just curious your opinion on this. I don't know if there's a legal angle, there's analysis here, but like you've been following this story uh, with a very particular set of expertise this entire time. But I just don't get why, Dan, the NFL has kind of rode it out with Snyder the whole time. The, the phrase I used with Don earlier was there were so many exit ramps for them and they just kept on driving down the highway. And now it's like they're clunking along. They're out of gas. I've now tortured this analogy, but like you get you get the point. Like why at no point during this do you think 
the NFL didn't go, hey, like we're we're good here. Let's let's push him out. Let's let's rally the troops. This is a bad person to be in business with. All he's going to do is drag us further down. We've gone far enough. See ya. Why why has that not happened? It's a good question. I mean, and even Don's reporting, right? There's quarterly profits being given to all these minority owners along the way. So let's not forget, right? Dan Snyder is just not going to get money on the way out. He's been getting paid this entire time for the profits of the team. So, okay, this guy's, you know, is this a terrible guy and it's taking three years to conduct a full and proper investigation of the team. From my vantage point on the legal side, it's like, okay, the reason that this investigation is taking so long for three years is because you found some evidence of something, right? Is it you just trying to like, write a perfect reporter like hey are we ready at like the 10th thing that we should kick him out for like why do we need the 11th 12th the 13th the 14th and the 15th so right. i think that's a fair question and then i've always had that in my head why why is this taking so long why aren't they just saying dan you're out instead of dan you know what we're gonna kick you out for a little bit but your wife can uh your wife can take over and you guys have the same bank account cool money's gonna go to both you guys no big deal right. it 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 seems very odd, but I, I think today's story makes a little bit more sense that the NFL has to be very careful of this handling, right? They don't want the story to come out. Um, I guess one point here, just as a kind of a general note, right? I, I follow all these stories in different sports. Football is, you know, pretty ripe with people that are claiming that people should have to sell the team. But we just saw this in the Phoenix Suns saga over in the NBA. If an owner will voluntarily sell and go away, all the problems disappear. And it was very close to happening, right, with respect to the minority shareholders selling their 40% share to Snyder. Those guys sold, the story went away. And I think ideal case for the NFL is that Dan Snyder sells, and, you know, the team's supposed to be in the market for the last couple months. Um, I don't know, the Snyder, Sarver was able to sell his team with the Suns very quickly. I don't, I think the reason that this team isn't selling is because Snyder is being very difficult about an asking price. So, ideally... I think the team would have sold already and Good Dell would have put this to bed. It wouldn't have been a big deal. Every, we, the story would have came out about Mary Jo White's report, all the bad stuff Snyder did. But it, the stink wouldn't have been on the shield because Snyder would, would have been out of the league at this point. Um, but I think Snyder is being very difficult. That's what it seems like on the ask. Uh, he's not allowing Bezos to put it in reportedly. Um, and I think that's the issue here. So I, I think the NCA or the NFL was delaying, waiting for a voluntary deal to happen. And Snyder, as he's uh, been kind of prone to do, he's Snydering this thing up and uh, <laughs> right. kind of bogging this thing down. So that actually leads to another interesting question that comes out of this reporting from Don, which is when the there was a one of the minority owners wanted to sell a stake a couple of years ago, and he, Dan was able to push it away, basically be like, no, that guy's never going to get approved. And the thought now is, well, they didn't want anybody looking at the books. And... I also wonder in him snidering it up, if you will, do you like if you're Josh Harris or Jeff Bezos or Tillman Fertitta, are you how much are you able to do without looking at the books? Like, are the books now going to have to be out there as part of this sale? Or is it possible for part of this transaction to go through without full transparency of what's transpired? You know, it's it's a tough call. Like, um, you know, let's go back in sports history again. Listen, what, what do we do as lawyers? We just find precedent of similar cases right. that have happened before. And right. then we just kind of give our best opinions. It's like figuring out who's going to win the Super Bowl. You look at the the dogs and this and this. It's a version of what lawyers do. Um, you know, if we look at what happened with uh, the Donald Sterling saga over at the Los Angeles Clippers, they had about four or five bidders that wanted the team. And they basically just said, OK, you guys have all been approved. You guys are all comfortable buying. OK. Best offer gets it, some blind bidding, and Steve Ballmer threw in a $2 billion bid, and that's who won it. So, you know, when you have a market that's ripe for different suitors, um, maybe someone's going to demand access to the books. Maybe Bezos wants access to the books, but there's someone that's going to pay a lot of money who doesn't want access to the books. Um, I, I think for Snyder's sake, we've already seen from, you know, uh, at least Don's reporting that he didn't want access to the books for the for any of the minority shareholders you know, other incoming potential minority shareholders that ended up buying different shares of different teams. So I, I would be concerned if I was Snyder's camp, right? If there are any discrepancies between the books that were provided for this minority share that was done for this 40% back in spring of 2021 and versus the one that's going to come out in 2023 to Bezos or whoever, right? Those might be discoverable in a subsequent lawsuit between our minority shareholders, the 40% um, and Snyder. So yeah, I, I'm, uh, and especially, you know, Craig, we didn't really talk about it. There are allegations that Dan Snyder has been cooking the books with the two sets of books right. for right. The, the Navy football games and the Kenny Chesney concerts. So, yeah, um, I mean, if I'm buying this and I'm sinking, you know, $5 billion into an asset, I'm going to want to see the books. But, you know, these football teams don't come up for sale that often and they don't come up for sale 
in massive media markets like DC. So maybe someone's going to uh, look the other way. Yeah, that I mean, it would be pretty hilarious if the only guy who is willing to buy without seeing the books is Bezos and Snyder's just like, really? What? What? What are we? Because he's the only guy that can really afford to sink that much money into something and not think about it to the level that like a Josh Harris or a Tillman for Peter would. Um, where Bezos is like, oh, whatever, it's five billion dollars. I got, I got that on my couch cushions. Um, speaking of cell phones, last question for Dan Lust, legal analyst, the Conduct Detrimental podcast is: Is this whole thing just a giant cell phone by the NFL and the Commanders? And what I mean by that is. The way we get to the federal investigation in the Eastern District of Virginia is a referral from the Congressional Committee that probably never happens if the Wilkinson report, it comes out the way it was originally supposed to, which was a written report. Has the NFL and Snyder, by not doing the thing and providing the transparency that they said they would, actually gotten themselves in all of this hot water because of that? Like, do would the dots have connected anyway, or is this only happening because it eventually warranted a congressional investigation, which led to a criminal referral? Um, Craig, I think what you're getting at is this concept of karma, that karma is a thief. <laughs> is that right? a legal theory? Um, yeah, but I, I didn't curse on the podcast. Don't worry. I'm not, not my first rodeo here. But yeah, um, yeah that, that's, I, I think, essentially what happened. Craig, are you a South Park guy? Come on, you got to give me something here. Uh, I, I've seen a little bit, but not, not a huge South Park guy. No. There's, there's the episode, you know, I, I dabble in the arts, but there was an yeah. episode this past week that came out about Harry and Meghan and saying, like, respect our privacy, respect our privacy. By Dan Snyder basically saying, you can't get me, nana, 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 right? Like, mm-hmm. the congressional report happened, the former female employees spoke up. You kind of had all these different dominoes, the Washington Post kind of percolating here. Uh, and then ESPN popped in. You have Dan Snyder basically calling your previous guest on the show, Don Van Nata, uh, saying that he was making up the story. He had an axe to grind. And Don, right, you're daring Don to kind of dig a little bit further. So I do think all of these things are related. I do think if at any point that Dan Snyder just owned it and said, like, hey, uh, listen, we've made some mistakes. We're going to turn over a new leaf. Um, you know, I, I, I need to do things better. But we never really get that. When it comes to Dan Snyder, there's like zero accountability that occurs at any point in time. I mean, I, I, I'm not crazy. I once remember where Dan Snyder said he would never change the name of the team. And yeah. guess what? Like, he did. So I don't think he has engendered himself to any credibility in the public realm, private realm, media realm, the lawyer realm, anything like that. And I think when you start daring people to, to find out the truth, guess what? Some people are motivated in other ways. So they're reporting behind the Washington Post, um, you know, ESPN now, front office sports, um, you know, the congressional hearing. I, I think this was done because Dan Snyder made himself the center of the story and people wanted to take him down. So I do think all of these things are connected. Dan Lust's Conduct Detrimental Podcast. He'll have Van Nata on later. That is a conversation I will certainly be listening to tomorrow morning. Uh, Dan, this was fantastic. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. Anytime.